Good afternoon and welcome to our Monday Night Football Media Conference Call. We're thrilled to announce ESPN's new broadcast team today. This group will call our 2018 NFL Primetime Games, the 49th season of Monday Night Football. On the call, we have Stephanie Drulli, our ESPN Senior Vice President of Event and Studio Production, and our new Monday Night team, veteran broadcaster Joe Tessitore, who becomes just the sixth play-by-play voice in Monday Night Football history. 15-year Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who joins ESPN as our new Monday Night Football booth analyst. Two-time Super Bowl champion Booger McFarlane, who will be ESPN's first-ever field-level analyst. And Emmy-nominated Lisa Salters, who will enter her seventh season as Monday Night's sideline reporter. This new team will make its regular season debut on Monday, September 10th, when the Oakland Raiders host the Los Angeles Rams in the late game of our season-opening doubleheader. It's the first time in the 13-year history of our Week 1 doubleheader format that ESPN's top crew will call the late game. Producer Jay Rothman and Chip Dean will continue to lead ESPN's Monday Night Football production team. It's their 13th year on Monday night and 28th overall as a, produ- as a producer-director duo. I'll give everyone on the call the chance to make some brief opening remarks before we go into media questions. First, a quick reminder, we will have a full audio replay of the call and a transcript available. Uh, Stephanie, we'll start with you. Go ahead. Um, Thank you, Bill. I I will be brief because I really want this time to be used for you to hear from this team that, as uh, as Bill mentioned, we're really excited about. We've been through a three-month process, and our mantra was trust the process. We did multiple auditions, a million conversations. Uh, We looked at a lot of tape. I think many of us could um, call the Titans-Chiefs playoff game uh, from memory pretty easily. Um, But we were looking for the best balance of passion for the game, depth of knowledge, and the ability to take that knowledge and form educated opinions. Um, We also put a priority on chemistry because we wanted to put the best team on TV every week. And we believe Joe, Jason, Booger, and Lisa is that team. Um, we have a lot of work to do before September 10th. But Lee Fitting, Jay Rothman, and Chip Dean have a plan in place. And uh, we're going to get to work starting next week. Thanks, Stephanie. Uh, go ahead, Joe. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being with us. Um, you know, I'd echo what, what Steph just said in trusting the process. What I was – uh, most thrilled with in that process was how open-minded we all were to see what could be. And in doing that, the end result is who's on this phone right here. Obviously, I'm thrilled to be working with Lisa. We've worked a little bit together in the past, and we're going to lean on her experience and her expertise here greatly. But with Booger and, and Jason, this is a dynamic pairing. I've been so fortunate and blessed to work on so many different sport categories at ESPN through the years and so many different pairings with analysts. And the fit is just right here. It feels right. And, you know, I was I was honored. I've known Boog for four years now, working closely together with everything we've done with college football and, and when uh, we were both part of the launch of the SEC Network. But over the course of the past month, month and a half, to get to know Jason and to see how he approaches things in life and his work and his commitment, and then the two of them coming together, I feel it. It feels like the fit, and I'm just very excited for everybody to get to see what they're going to offer up here. I think it's a dynamic pairing. Thanks, Joe. We'll go to you, Jason. Yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, I just want to echo the same things. I'm so excited to be joining the ESPN and Monday Night Football team, and 
uh, as they said, I, I'm chomping at the bit to get started. Uh, you know, in January, February, March, and most of April this year, I was planning on playing football. And um, But when you're 36 in the NFL, uh, I think it's fair to say that you're always day-to-day. And uh, when this opportunity arose to be a part of an institu- institution like Monday Night Football, uh, for somebody like me who just has so much respect for this game and growing up as a kid, never missing a Monday Night Football game, to join this team, and I call it a team just because I, I realized that early on in this process uh, when I went through it with Joe and Jay and uh, Stephanie and Lee and Chip and the entire team. So uh, I realized that it was about a team, and I felt that chemistry and just honored to join it and to join Bug. And uh, I'm just chomping at the bit. I know i got a lot of work to do and looking forward to, to uh, sharing my knowledge and, and my insight on the game of football that we all love. Thanks, Jason. Booger, your thoughts? Well, Jason could have saved most of that and just said he got old and so he needed a new job. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm extremely uh, honored and, and humbled to be a part of Monday Night Football. You know, I, I've been in college football for the last four years and uh, have really, really enjoyed uh, just giving my opinion and giving my thoughts in, in just the way that I know how. And I've been empowered to do that by Stephanie and her team. And I just look forward to bringing that to Pro football. Uh, I'm very experienced in that and, and look forward to that and can't wait to get started. Um, I've known Jason from afar. Uh, I have worked closely with Joe. Uh, I've admired Lisa for a long time. And so for me to get this opportunity to be a part of this team with these people, I'm fired up and can't wait. Thanks, Booger. Go ahead, Lisa, your thoughts. Um, well, I've said it before, I have the best job in the world and it continues to be my privilege be a part of this team, especially this new team. Can't wait to work with the guys. And uh, it sounds to me like this is going to be our best year yet. Can't wait. Thanks, Lisa. And now we'll, we'll go right into media questions. We'll start with Sam Farmer at the LA Times and go to John Machota at the Dallas Morning News. Go ahead, Sam. Uh, thanks, folks. Uh, I'm particularly interested in the September 10th game, uh, the Rams at Raiders and where there's so many storylines. Um, and I'm wondering, are you going to come to Rams camp at the, at the end of camp? And um, particularly for uh, Jason and Booger, have you talked to John Gruden, sort of tapped into um, what knowledge he might have about about the job? And and uh, wonder what your thoughts are on that game. Hey, Sam, I'll answer the first part of that. We have plans right now on our schedule that we all receive to go and spend a day and visit with the Rams. So we are absolutely going to do that. Um, personally, I know we've talked about this as a group. We are very excited for that opener. I think the Rams, I think everybody would agree with this, they have been the off-season buzz team with what they accomplished in free agency with the win-now attitude. you got dynamic young quarterback. Obviously, you got the all-pros all over the place everywhere you look, especially now with the additions on defense at corner and defensive line. And then it being the return of Gruden to the black hole, the Monday night football, you know, opener, I think it's going to be really special. I'll let the guys answer in terms of talking to Coach. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, I did reach out and, and had a, was fortunate to talk to Coach Gruden for a while during this process. Uh, he's, he's, I've long admired his work in the NFL. And uh, so, he was great. You know, he showed a lot of uh, 
detail with me about what all takes place. Uh, I think one of the things that he wanted me to know, and, and uh, it's been echoed throughout the entire staff, is how much work it takes. And I, I think he had tremendous detail and passion of what it takes. So uh, we, we had a good visit over the phone, and I'm certainly going to take advantage of all the resources to get into camp with this team, and, and I'm chomping at the bit to do that because I think that's the only way we're going to improve. I know certainly for me is to get out there and see these teams and start studying them and having that opportunity. So uh, as Joe said, you know, our schedules are booked out, and uh, we're excited to get going. You know, I didn't get an opportunity to talk to John during the process. I, I played for John, and I know how hard John works getting up at 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning to come into the office and, and get prepared. And, you know, living here in Tampa where John lived at, I got a chance to uh, kind of visit his office a couple of times while he was preparing for Monday Night Football. So I know the type of work that it takes uh, to do this job and do it at a very high level like John did for the last nine years. As far as the Rams-Raiders game is concerned, I think that for me the early storylines really are not a lot about football. You know, you look at the Rams, to me it's about chemistry. You know, we've seen a lot of teams put a lot of players together and say we have an all-star team, but those players don't fit. So can Wade Phillips and, and, and McVay get the chemistry right with all those guys? And then for John Gruden, you know, having played for John Gruden, one thing I know about him, he likes veteran players, and you can see the veteran players starting to be assembled in Oakland. Uh, I think he still knows how to coach football, uh, but can he coach football in 2018 with this group of players, uh, a lot of young players? I think those are some of the early storylines. I think it's going to be a great game. Uh, and maybe I'm biased, but I think we got the best game opening week on Monday night. Okay, we'll move on to John at the Dallas Morning News, followed by uh, Richard Dice at The Athletic. Go ahead, John. Yeah, this is for Jason. I was just wondering, uh, you know, for a long time you've been in those production meetings, you know, a day or two before a big game where, you know, you're talking to the TV analysts and now it's going to be you talking to players. Just what do you think it's going to be like kind of sitting on the other side of that and then specifically, you know, your first time when you have to go back to the star? Well, first of all, I just it's a great opportunity. I mean, I know how, how much information – this team was able to receive when they, you know, when they came in and you were able to set in these broadcast meetings. And, you know, you know that they're doing, these analysts are doing their homework. They're studying film. They're approaching the right way. So uh, I look at it as a great opportunity, not only to get to spend time with the coaches and players, but as I'm studying, to, I'm going to have a lot of questions and want to use that time to build a relationship and to get information. And I know uh, the rest of the team is going to do the same thing. So I always think that that's, there's great chemistry in those times. Uh, you know, and sitting in the, in those meetings over the years, uh, very comfortable doing that. So, you know, I'm sure it'll be a little bit emotional when I come back to the star and see some teammates and friends of mine, but, uh, I think that's just part of the process and, uh, we, we all experience it and there's, there's special moments and emotions that go into it. But, um, you know, I've had the opportunity over the last week to really reflect and I'm so proud of the way I approached the game and the people I was able to do it with. And now I'm able to transition into this and attack it uh, the same way that I attacked it for 15 years as a pro player. So, um, you know, it'd be great to see those guys. But, you know, we, we both got a job to do, and I think there's a healthy respect for that. Hey, Witt, where are we going to eat the night before that game, man? We'll get a little Nick and Sam, show you what a real steakhouse looks like. Ben. All right. Uh, I'm on. There we go. 
All right, we'll go to Richard at the. I'm Stephanie. <laughs> we'll go to Richard at the Athletic, followed by Neil Best at Newsday. Uh, thanks, uh, Jason. I know this is um, still obviously very new, so I asked this question under that framework. But uh, what is your comfort level on being critical of players or coaches when criticism is warranted? And how do you philosophically look at NFL analysts being critical of players and of the game itself? Well, I think you have to have the confidence to share thoughts that are going to be critical or potentially could be critical of a player or a coach or a decision that's made in a game. Uh, that's a challenge and a role that I accepted, and I understand it, and certainly I'll embrace that situation. So as a player, I, I never allowed my feelings to get hurt in that situation. I, I never felt like somebody was personally attacking me. They have a job to do. They have to call the game, and people are looking for their insight. And so with that, uh, you know, the ones I respected the most as a player uh, are the ones that called it like they see it. They tell us why and uh, provide reasoning for that. And so that's going to be my approach. That's that's. There's a lot of concerns or, you know, I'm walking into a different territory, but this is not one of them. I feel confident and have such a healthy respect for this game and, and the coaches and the players that what it takes to perform at a high level. But that's what my job is. And uh, I think I'll do a good job of communicating that and telling the why, why that's happening and why my opinions form that way. Okay, we'll go to Neil at Newsday, followed by Andrew Marshan at the New York Post. Uh, this is for Jason. Uh, obviously, this is a you know a high-profile gig for your first uh, TV work. Uh, but Tony, you, how, how much confidence did you get from seeing Tony pull this off last year? And what has he shared with you about, uh, if anything, about what it takes to do this job? Well, this, first off, I mean Tony's been a great friend for a long time. Uh, we did visit regarding this situation, but it was briefly, uh, it happened so fast uh, with it. So I'm sure as it unfolds in the next few months, he'll continue to be a great friend and a resource for me. Uh, in reference to how he performed, I thought Tony did a really nice job in his first season. I thought he really brought a, a new approach. Um, there was a freshness in his approach. His energy level was really high. I think a lot of people really enjoyed hearing him call the games the way he did. So at the end of the day, I think people really liked his insight. He had a unique perspective, and I felt like he was teaching oftentimes. And I think that's something from coming right off the football field, speaking that language and seeing it quickly. Uh, certainly, I, I think there's probably a lot of similarities in our approach from that standpoint. But, hey, look, you've you got to be yourself. And uh, as I've gone through this process and studied other guys and watched it, the one thing I've always gone back to and the team around me has, has told me numerous times during uh, the auditions was that you need to be yourself and have confidence in that. And, look, I've, I've had a lot of reps at, at doing that, of being myself and continuing to work at it and approaching it. That's the way I approached my career was I was able to figure it out fairly quickly. So I think there's a lot of insight in, in being able to provide teaching with it. And Tony did a really, really good job. Um, he made people feel comfortable. You know, like he was sitting at the house and on the couch and he communicated that very well, and I hope to do the same. Thank you very much. Okay, we'll go to Andrew at the Post, followed by Mike McCarthy at Sporting News. Yeah, I have uh, two questions. I'm going to ask them one at a time. Uh, just first for Stephanie, 
Stephanie, what was the reasoning or what is the reasoning on the half booker on the sideline as opposed to having three people in the booth? Um, we like the perspective. We've had success with that on um, college football. We found that it's a, a unique perspective for someone to have. Um, and, and we started um, when we started the process, we had that idea in mind the, the, um, throughout the process. And, and we felt like if we found the right person who could pull that off, that we would go in that direction. Um, as it, it, it just feels like a unique opportunity for us. Like I, um, I've heard a, a, a lot of comparisons to, oh, this is this old Sarah Gusa role. I mean, to us, it's not. To us, it's, it's, Booger is a seamless part of the booth who has a unique perspective of being at field level, seeing what's going on in the trenches, seeing what's happening on the sidelines. Um, I just think the perspective will be different and will be um, really interesting. But at, at the same time, like, the goal for Joe and, and, and Jason and Booger is to have it feel seamless. And then my second question is kind of from each of the guys. I'll start with Joe. Just for, for a lot of people, broadcasters especially, you know, Monday Night Football is something they grow up watching. It's kind of pinnacle. Um, for you guys, and starting with Joe, just is that something that you have memories of watching? And, yes. Um, I think maybe specifically for Joe in terms of was it kind of a goal as a kid or how, how did that work out for you in terms of your yeah. career goals? Andrew, uh, um, there's no denying it. And, you know, if you're of, of my generation and, and grew up, you know, the way I did sports obsessed and really football obsessed, um, yeah, I mean, Monday night football is that pinnacle. And some, you know, somebody asked me earlier how I view this job. I really do view it as a, as a legacy job, as a job that is, is tied to the lineage of, of sports broadcasting of, you know, with Keith Jackson and, Frank Gifford and Dandy Don and Al Michaels and Cosell and, and, you know, through the more recent generation of Tarico, it's, it's been that job for me. And I was greatly contented in college football and so infused in that sport. And there are very few jobs, if not only one job that I, that I would even consider saying goodbye to college football for. And, and this is it. But I will share just one brief story. Um, you know, I grew up in Schenectady, New York, in an Italian-American neighborhood. I'm the son of an immigrant, and my grandfather couldn't speak English, but everybody in my family uh, sort of assimilating to American culture came by way through sports and sports television. And watching Cosell and watching uh, Monday Night Football and major horse racing and Wild World of Sports and championship boxing of Ali in the 70s was sort of that link for my cousins and me and our aunts and uncles and our grandparents and, and those who, who couldn't speak English. And when I got this job, um, we had a, uh, you know, unfortunately I had to go back to a funeral service in Schenectady, New York, to the old neighborhood. And all my older aunts and uncles, the first thing they said was, we can remember when you used to impersonate Cosell as a way to get your grandfather to laugh. And we had told that story for years and years and that was Monday Night Football. I would impersonate Cosell as a way to connect with my immigrant grandfather. Um, so, yeah, man, this is you, you hit on it, and it's been that kind of job in my eyes for a long time. Booger, Jason, you guys want to – did you want to add to that in terms of your memories of Monday Night? 
Well, I, I think for me, you know, even as a player and once I retired, the, the ability to remember standalone games, whether it's Saturday night when you're in the hotel before the Sunday game watching college football, the, the primetime game, or it's Monday night when you've already kind of reviewed your film and everybody's at home and you're watching the Monday night game. I think as a player, we all remember uh, the games that stand out. We all remember the signature games, and Monday night happens to be the signature game. And, and for me, you know, I, I never thought about, you know, being part of a Monday night broadcast team. I, I got into broadcasting four years ago, um, you know, with an opportunity to smile and be myself and talk about football and not knowing if it would work. And through, through a lot of hard work and, and a lot of opportunities by a lot of good people, uh, I've been put in position in college football to do a lot of good things talking about the game. And when the opportunity came about to do Monday night football, I never dreamed that big. With that being said, now that I'm here, I look forward to carrying the tradition of making Monday Night Football fun again, man. I mean, we get a chance to talk about the game of football, uh, its entertainment, its the ability to enlighten people about what we see. But as I've told everyone on this call uh, from the ESPN side, people watch football for entertainment. Yeah, we want to learn a little something. We want to laugh. We want to enjoy the two or three hours that we're going to spend watching our favorite team or a team that we don't know. And, and so for me, that's the intriguing part, and that's the exciting part for me. Uh, one, the ability to be a part of something so historic and so great that I never even dreamed uh, or even thought about doing. And two, the ability to do it the way uh, that I think a lot of people want to want to see it and want to enjoy it, and that's fun and that's entertaining and that's the ability to learn something. And, you know, every now and then you, you're going to get a chance to have uh, you know, those those great moments that Monday Night Football brings. And you never know when they are coming, and to me, that's the exciting part. Jason, do you want to add? Yeah, I'm really – yeah, well, I just echo the same things. You know, I said early on, I mean, Monday Night Football really is an institution, and it's uh, it's the best of the best. And uh, I grew up watching Al Michaels and John Madden call those games um, – you know, my grandfather was my high school football coach, so he, he would tell me about Dandy Don and the Giffords and Cassells and just such history. And to have an opportunity to carry on that tradition, as Booger referenced, and enjoy it and, and teach and share our insight and have a great time. And I think that's what is so special about it. And I know playing the last 15 years, you always circle that Monday night football game because it's the only game on. It's the end of the week in the football uh, world, and, and it's an opportunity for everybody to watch and to share it. And, you know, I heard a lot about, you know, the schedule and what Monday Night Football is compared to what it used to be. And I'll be honest with you, I'm really excited about where it's at and the games that we have and not only carrying on that torch and the tradition, but taking it even to, to, to a new level uh, along with this team. Okay, we'll go to Mike McCarthy at Sporting News, followed by A.J. Perez at USA Today. Hello, congrats, everybody. Uh, Jason, I have a question. Uh, were you approached by other TV networks, uh, such as Fox, about working on their NFL game coverage? And if so, why did you pick ESPN? And then I've got a broader uh, question for everybody in the group, which is why do ex-Cowboys keep getting all the good jobs in NFL TV? I did. You know, I, I did have an opportunity to talk to some other networks. Um, you know, I don't want to go too crazy into that, but I, I just, at the end of the day for me, I, I just, I'm a big believer in the team. And when I went through this process, 
uh, it just leaped off the, the, the screen at me when I left there was I was calling these games and surrounded by these, these folks that uh, there was just a different touch uh, that they put on it. And so having an opportunity to go into this together with, with uh, Joe and Bug and, and then obviously with Stephanie and Lee and then and Jay and his team and the tradition that they've had, uh, that was something that was very enticing to me and to be a part of that. So um, Monday Night Football, as I said, and I was fortunate to those other networks that entertained the fact of uh, bringing me in and talking to me. But Monday Night Football is a great fit there at ESPN for me. Hey, Mike, Joe Tessitore here. Um, I'll just quickly answer my thoughts on the ex-Cowboys getting all the jobs <laughs> And I'd love for Lisa to chime in on this too because she has covered so many big time Cowboys games. But, um, I start, I started the early stages of my career in that market, as did Stephanie Drooley, who's on the line. And I think anybody who's been in that market day in and day out knows that you are constantly in the spotlight and being forged for stuff like this. When you are a superstar Dallas Cowboy and that stars on the side of your helmet, you wake up every day dealing with the pressure the coverage, and, and I think that a lot of guys who have gone through that, they've quit themselves incredibly well with the media, and they're in position, and there's no, there's just no denying that experience. Now, we didn't go into this thing saying, hey, if we could land a Dallas Cowboys superstar, we're landing it. It just so happened that, you know, we came out here with Booger and Witten and uh, a big smile on Jerry Jones's face I saw the other day. Very proud of you, Jason, as well. But, Lisa, would you agree with that, that it's always just a little different when it comes to the Cowboys? Well, sure. If you're going to play, like you said, if you're going to play in Dallas, you've, you've got you to know how to handle the media. So I feel that, you know, I don't know about Tony and the other jobs, but, you know, I just feel like we've got we've got Jason, and uh, I don't care if he had played for the Packers, the Broncos, or whoever. I just feel like we got a great guy who's going to just take our team to, to another level. And Book. And Book, too, of course. So I don't care who they played for in the past. I just think that, you know, like you said, we, we didn't go out trying to find ex, uh, you know, Cowboys. We just, we got guys who are are going to be the best fit for us and, uh, you know, make us better. That was one thing John Gruden always said, either you're going to get better or you're, you know, you're going to get worse. You're never going to stay the same. And we, we, we're definitely better now. You know, you know, just Stephanie, just, just as a producer, like for, for guys that, that are in that facility, you know, they're always getting, look, we all know that the Cowboys are the team that networks would like to see as much as possible on their schedules. So they're getting the experience with the top-notch groups that come through there when you talk about a production meeting. Um, So I, I think that can, you know, you're sort of learning on the fly as well. You're seeing how some of the best do their job. And and that, along with the spotlight that Joe mentioned, I, I think prepares these guys to be um, extremely eloquent and, um, and and able to understand sort of what this side of the camera is like. Hey, Booger, did you want any equal time there to talk about all the bucks in TV as well? Well, no, I, I was hoping one of y'all brought that up. I mean, I was, I was kind of preparing my list of all the busts over here. Uh, you know, I, I think when, when people look at Dallas, I mean, I grew up in northeast Louisiana. I was a Cowboys fan more than I was a Saints fan. So we all recognize the history and, and, and the intrigue of being America's team. And I, I think when you're around the spotlight, when your team is winning as much as they've won, 
when you have uh, an owner with a personality like Jerry Jones, hey, you better be good in the spotlight or else you're going to get exposed. Very good. All right, we'll go to uh, A.J. Perez at USA Today, followed by Todd Archer with ESPN. Go ahead, A.J. I'm good. Uh, Mike got my question. So I'm fine. Okay. All right. We'll go to uh, Todd uh, with ESPN and then Brian Curtis with the ringer. Hey, Jason, uh, if you can put your, your uh, analyst hat on here for the first time. The guys that are replacing you in that tight end room have nine catches between them. What can you tell us about Jeff Swain, Blake Jarwin, Rico Gathers, and obviously they drafted a guy in the fourth, uh, fourth round, Dalton Schultz, but what about the guys that you were with the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, first of all, just piggybacking on that last question, I also think that those certainly playing for the Dallas Cowboys has provided opportunity, but when you look at those guys like Troy and Darrell, I mean, they've earned it. They've been really good, so... Uh, that, that definitely provided opportunity, but they've been taking it to another level with the way they've performed and call the games. Uh, to your question, Todd, yeah, I mean, look, they haven't had a lot of opportunities to play, but I think in the last week we've seen that Jerry's came out and said that he feels confident in this group. And so playing with Jeff Swain for the last three years, uh, I think there's some upside to his ability. He just hasn't played a lot of games. They really liked him. They traded up in the draft for him. And I think for those guys, figuring out their role and how it's all going to play out, um, they certainly like Rico is a big ability to stretch the field. Coming off the basketball court, he's athletic. He can make plays. Can he do it for 60 plays? He hasn't shown that consistency to be able to do that. And so they're going to have to lean on Swain to be able to kind of carry the workload. But they do have a young talent in Jarwin and Rico that they think they see as a little bit of flash player that can come in and have roles in the red zone or third down in the passing game. So those guys will be okay. I mean, I I, I feel like that sitting in those meetings with them and going through this the last few years, they know what it takes to play that position. And I hope that I've shown them that. But they just they can't put the pressure on themselves. They just need to go play and feel confident in that system. And Scott Linehan's had success with tight ends. So uh, they'll figure out their roles and what they want to do and, Really, more than anything, they got to get comfortable in this Dak-friendly offense that they're building in Dallas. Okay, we'll go to Brian Curtis at the Ringer, followed by Andrew Buckholz at Awful Announcing. Go ahead, Brian. Joe, when you were doing these uh, tryouts with Jason over the last couple of months, what, what what would you just say clicked with him that clicked in a different way than some of the other people you tried out with? Well, Brian, i got to tell you, everybody that we brought in was, was pretty impressive, but um, now, Boog and I have known each other for a while, and, and so when I start talking about chemistry, not to leave Boog out, but I want to answer your question about Jason, but Boog is like part of my family at this point. I mean, truly, when it comes to Connecticut, it's understood he's coming over for dinner, he's with the family. I mean, he's, he, he's just part of the Tessator family at this, at this point when he comes up north, and we're always together on the road having a good time as well. When Jason came over, I had already spoken to him on the phone extensively for weeks, um, we have wor- we had worked on the phone. We had started to develop a relationship. But I would tell you the chemistry, Brian, just felt right. Came through the front door. He's in the kitchen. We're opening up wine. My wife's cooking. We're having apps. About a half an hour into hanging out, talking ball, having some laughs, enjoying each other's company, my son pulls up. He's an 18-year-old 
uh, you know, high school football player. He's got a carload of his buddies, which, he, you know, he wants to do typically every other day so they can make sure that, you know, our pantry is cleared out. Um, and they come into the kitchen, they see Jason Witten, and all of a sudden he's holding court with all these high school football player, college football-bound football players. They're there for about 10 minutes. They're having a blast. They ask if they can take a picture. As they're walking out, Witt turns to them, Brian, and he says, hey, guys, you got a football in the garage? Like, of course we do. The next thing I know, the custom sport coat is off. He's out there in slacks and dress shoes, unbuttons the dress shirt, and he's running routes against high school football players on my front lawn, seamlessly, just out there. These guys are laughing their butts off. They can't believe that this all-pro player is out there. Without missing a beat, he comes back in. He's got a little glitz and a sweat. He's got the prosciutto in his hand, the cheese in his other hand, and he's back to eating and talking football. He's a dude. That's what I like, man. I like football-loving dudes who can hang out, have a good time. And if you can do that with me in my house, then I know that the three and a half hours on the air are going to be killer because you're going to be the key word that makes for great TV, authentic. That's what Booger and Jason are. They're authentic. And then the two of them came over to my house about a week and a half, maybe two weeks later, and it was on fire. We just had a blast. And that's the one thing. If you say, what's the key trait and attribute I see? I see a lot of things. I could talk to you about football IQ. I could talk to you about work ethic, dedication, drive, leadership qualities that Jerry Jones will tell you about all day long when it comes to Jason Witten. But this is an authentic, real football dude. And that's the chemistry fit that I was looking for. All right, we'll go to uh, Andrew, followed by Nate Davis at USA Today. Yeah, a question for Booger. Uh, you've got a couple of experiences that are uh, a little bit uh, unique for this role, uh, b both with your long career on the defensive line and then with uh, the last few years doing college football studio analysis. Uh, what, what are you going to bring to this role from those two experiences? Well, I just think the ability, you know, for me to be direct and straight to the point. I, I, I think when you, when you watch football, especially when you watch it down close on the sideline, there's a unique aspect to, to feel the speed of the game and to see little nuances uh, that happen on the sideline, whether it's between players, between coaches, uh, the ability to walk people, you know, through plays. Uh, you know, we talked about earlier about the ability to be uh, entertained, and educated, and I think the ability to do that from uh, from the field is going to be greatly appreciated. Um, you know, from from the college experiences, I've, I've done a couple of things on the field, and this will be nowhere near uh, the magnitude that we'll be doing it now. But it's just those experiences are definitely going to help with this new role. For sure. Thank you. Okay, we'll go to Nate Davis, followed by Rob Torno at the Philadelphia Inquirer. You can skip to Rob, though. Thanks. You're good? Okay. All right. Uh, Rob, we'll go to Rob, followed by uh, Bobby at the big lead. Go ahead, Rob. Hi. Thanks, fellas. Uh, congratulations to everybody. Uh, my question is for Jason. Uh, I'm sure you saw some of the coverage of Chris Collinsworth getting brutalized by Eagles fans uh, for his analysis during the Super Bowl, and I was wondering if you've given any thought or prepared yourself for, you know, just being attacked by some fans who are just going to claim that you hate their team no matter what. Oh, I've had thick skin for a while. I mean, that's that's happened my whole life, going on the road and and uh, getting booed or um, you know saying things to me. I've been called almost everything. So um, you know, that's part of competition. 
Um, but I, I think to echo what you asked, I mean, with what Chris, I mean, you know, I, I can't stand when I'm listening to a game and you get the sense of a, of a Homer type of guy or a guy talking to we and the are influencing his opinion. I mean, that's not what Chris does. That's not what these really good guys do. And, uh, so I'm going to be objective and, uh, and if I fail at that, then then I'm failing the viewer and I'm failing ESPN. So, uh, look, I know that that's what they're betting on me. And as I said earlier, there's a lot of things I have to work through and, and a lot of work to do, but this is not one of them. I mean, that's what my job. And guys are going to make mistakes. I mean, they're, they're going to fail uh, out there on the field, and, and there's probably going to be a few bad decisions. And so I feel comfortable with, with our team. And I've sat in those meetings with Lisa many times over the years and She's had to ask me tough questions, and that's just part of it. There's a healthy respect, and you move on from it. So that's, I'm going to be objective, and I feel confident in doing that. And, look, those boos are going to happen for a long time. They're not going to stop now. I'm sorry, was it Ron who asked the question? Uh, yeah, Rob. Rob. Oh, Rob, I'm sorry, Rob. It's Joe here. Okay. Hey, Rob, and, and, and I just want to point something out in in this crew here, this, this three-man crew here that – that's going to be doing the the game. Um, I think Witz really put forth a great response as to how he's going to handle both criticism and his ability to criticize. But one of the things that has impressed me most with Booger in recent years was when he was one of the premier voices on the SEC network, and it was the time when when Les Miles was really starting to get a little warmer on the hot seat, and the coaching change was coming down, and you could see it on the horizon. And the way Booger handled that being – you know, one of the greatest players in LSU history, having a big seat on an SEC platform on that network, which obviously you know the relationship with the league there. And I think Stephanie would speak to this. But I thought that those four weeks were, where Booger didn't shy away, where shared a very strong opinion that was that could be often difficult for somebody who wore purple and gold, really showed us, you know, for everybody here at ESPN, what he was all about and how strong of a broadcaster that he, he could be. That that was an impressive run there. Cool. Thanks. Okay, we'll go to Bobby at the Big Lead, followed by Greg Joyce at the New York Post. Joe, Jason, and Booger, last year there was a lot of not-so-stellar games, to say the least, in the NFL, and a couple of booths in particular, Sean McDonough was critical of the officials that time and the quality of the games. How do you guys plan to approach if you're calling a game that's not so entertaining halfway through? I mean, when you're doing a game that either, you know, becomes ugly football or the score gets wacky, you know, that's why we prepare so hard. That's why we know all the backstories. That's why we're ready to entertain. We're ready to go in different directions when the score isn't as compelling. And, um, you know, heck, I've, I've done that for a couple decades of college football and various sports I do. But, you know, we showcase our preparation. We showcase everything that, that you know, the talented people in the truck and the production unit have been working on all week. We tell great stories. We, we take you in a different direction, um, you know, where Lisa can take us with the access she has and the reporting she has and things that she's prepared for. A booger with, you know, this unique pos- position where we're not going to be just tied to the booth, where our eyes and ears are going to be everywhere. But, it's bound to happen. Um, you know, I, did you just mention officiating, too, in your question? I did, yes. Yeah, I, listen, I'll, I'll, I'm very strongly opinionated when it comes to that. I don't think anybody tunes into a football game 
to care about the officiating. If it becomes a factor, we're going to talk about it. We have a ex you know referee in the booth with us to bring clarity to things. But we're here to be entertained with great athletes and great storylines and watching the game. I'm not going to sit there and call a football game harping on officials or making that something that becomes a theme to our broadcast. Every time there's a controversial call or a pass interference or a questionable holding, we're pointing it out. We're going too far. It's about ball. And and I, I'm just not, you know, listen, I'm big into no complaining. And, and I think a lot of people, I want a joyful broadcast that centers on celebrating the game and these athletes and the action. I don't think anybody tunes in to watch a football game to complain about officiating. That's just me, though. You know, I think when you tune in to Monday night, being the last game of the week, you have a unique opportunity uh, not only to broadcast a signature game and, and, and to entertain that night, but you also have a unique position that you're the last NFL voice of the week. So if we do encounter a game that's a blowout or a game that's not as fun or entertaining, we have an opportunity to pull from a week's worth of entertainment, whatever the storylines are, whatever the big picture uh, items are. And then Stephanie mentioned it earlier, the, the chemistry of this group, well, with the ability of, of myself and Joe and Lisa and Jason to talk and have conversation, you know, we want this to feel like we're four people and we're watching football and America just gets an opportunity to ease off and see what we're talking about. And, and that conversation about football when you love it, it's going to be great when the game is great and it's going to be great when the game is bad because of the chemistry of the people, in my opinion. You know, Book, I, text, I talked to you about this a couple of weeks ago. I said to you, my vision for Monday Night Football is much like the ethos and, and all the juice that college game day has or that inside the NBA has. I don't tune in to college game day whether or not they're doing an FCS location or the quality of the game or they're doing LSU-Alabama both undefeated. And the same, you know, when I listen to the guys on inside the NBA and some of the other shows on our air as well, but, you know, some of our rival networks, it's about that messaging and that dynamic and that chemistry. I want to hear from those iconic brands, and that's what I'm looking for for us, for our voices, our chemistry, our dialogue to be great and to be desired by the fans no matter what the game looks like. Now, having said that, I love our schedule this year. I think it sets up wonderfully. Jason, were you going to add something? Yeah, I was just going to add that, uh, you know, going through this process, I heard a lot about the uh, the test effect. And so scientists ah. have, have told me that uh, that's going to translate over to Monday night as well. Yeah, we only hope. Hey, I'm not the one who has a giraffe named after me now. Congratulations on your giraffe. <laughs> Thank you. All right, we'll get Greg Joyce at the New York Post, and then we'll have time for one more question after that. Dave Hayes at Deadline Hollywood. Go ahead, Greg. I, I think Andrew got it covered for us, so I'm all set. Thanks. Okay, great. We'll finish up with Dave at uh, Deadline Hollywood if you have a question. Dave, are you there? He is disconnected. Oh, okay. My apologies. Okay. Well, we're at uh, 45 minutes, and uh, for the folks we didn't get to, my apologies. Uh, we do have to – the folks have to get going just want to thank everybody for joining. Thanks to the members of our new crew. We are already looking forward to September 10th. It can't get here soon enough. A reminder, we'll have a full replay and transcript from the call. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining today.